Hi, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today News and welcome to our June Microsoft Teams News Update. So as always, I'm joined by Microsoft Teams expert and co-founder of Empowering Cloud, Tom Abuthnot. And together with our panel of guests, we're going to be talking through the most popular Teams headlines. Welcome, Tom. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a busy month. It's been Bank Holiday Central in the UK last month. So it's fitting all that working around the bank holidays has been uh, been fun. But yeah, it's been good. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's been busy on the Teams front. Uh, another Microsoft uh, unified communications user group in London. Uh, I think you had the Teams fireside chat last month as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been busy, busy with events and busy with news. So there's uh, always plenty to dive into. Yeah, and UC Expo in Manchester, that was an event we uh, plugged last month that happened as well. That was great. Um, plus, uh, Crestron's Modern Work Summit, that was uh, quite a popular event as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was on a panel at that. That was really good, actually. Um, they, they announced some new devices that will be getting team certified in due course, and uh, they're, they're kind of rounding out their their modern work portfolio with desk booking systems and a new Android bar, which will be the first time they've done an Android bar, which is interesting. Good stuff. Well, lots to talk about, and we've got a great panel of experts on the line today. So thanks for everyone, to everyone for joining us. Um, Tom, to kick today's news off, uh, we said we'd talk about Intelligent Meeting Recap, something that's relatively new to the team space. Yeah, yeah, this has been really, so this is a big item in Teams Premium. So Teams Premium is that add-on skew where you add extra features for users. And so in, in Teams without premium, you can get a meeting recording and, and see what happened in the meeting. But meeting recap uses AI to take it to the next level. So it goes through the contents, gives you summary, track marks the, the recording so you can jump to certain parts and coming will be things like picking out when your name's mentioned, that kind of thing. Fantastic. And in terms of... Um... I mean, you said that's uh, part of the premium license. Is that is that available? Uh, you know, now or is that? Yeah, yeah, available now. Um, I think it's still rolling in some regions, but available now. But interestingly, this is using AI and um, GPT modeling, but it's not being presented as Copilot. So it's using AI to summarize meetings, but being kind of positioned differently to Copilot, where you'd be engaging and interacting with the with the AI. And for anyone out there looking to invest in that premium license, I mean, what does that, I mean, to get that functionality that we just you know, talked about, what, what does that cost roughly? Yeah, there was an offer where it was um, $7.50 a user a month. And I think the list is $10 a user a month once it's out of the promotional period. So, um, yeah, if you add that up over your estate, it is a significant investment. It'll be interesting to see things uh, in that premium license, there are extra webinar features, there's extra security features like watermarking, this intelligent recap. So it's, it's a, um, a kind of a mishmash of different features for different use cases. So whether organizations will see value in things like intelligent recap and blanket license, or whether they'll pick and choose who gets these premium features. Let's just go to the panel on this one. I mean, has anyone spoken to any customers or working with any customers that, you know, what's the feedback so far on this premium license? can jump in here, Rob and Tom. <clears throat> so certainly, I think, you know, for large customers, um, as Tom said, I, I call it an eclectic mix of things. It's like they took random things and put it in Teams Premium. You know, a lot of them were only going to be when they when organizations looked at them, they said, well, there's only a few that need the webinar. There's some that need the enhanced security or some of the branding. But intelligent recap, that's really the only feature in Teams Premium that is a broad base feature. So that's going to make or break 
the adoption of, you know, kind of the team's premium licensing, I think, uh, you know, for Microsoft. And um, I, I, I think a lot of it is still, I'm going to say, uh, still aspirational. Like how does intelligent recap versus copilot, which nobody knows how they're going to price it yet, how do these match? And the other thing is, is I'm also dealing with organizations that are, for example, um, in the UK. And they're being told, no, no, we don't have the horsepower in our data centers to be able to rule, roll that out yet. So uh, right now, Intelligent Recap, you know, it's really only a North American rollout. And I think it's still a bunch of it is still aspirational. Yeah, it's still it's English only as well, language wise. So limited limited audience, both geographically and language wise as well. I think the UK is supposed to be coming. EU and UK is August time supposedly. Yeah. We'll see if that date holds. Are you going to be able to test drive this, Tom, or do you have to buy it to get it? Um, so there, there definitely were premium trial licenses. I'm not sure I've had if that's still the case. Um, you can also buy them on per month, so you could potentially test it out um, in, in that way. But yeah, as, as Kevin says, it's, I think a lot of organizations are still working out what their strategy is and they want to know if Copilot will be a superset of these features or if do you need premium and Copilot to get this. So that, that clarity is not quite there yet. The marketing and the messaging though has been well done by Microsoft uh, over the last several months. What's new in Teams has all these cool things coming out and it's almost like a footnote barely mentioned premium only only in premium <laughs> and it's like oh that's really cool that's really neat i like that webinars are getting a big facelift and then when you get to the fine print you're like oh so i i think there's yeah there's a hesitation with premium in general just because of the eclectic nature of it but i think a lot of what's been teased and shown over the last several months as people start to realize how much exactly is being rolled up into that after the fact it's it'll be interesting to see the uptick in, in those licenses but every cool every cool new feature is going in teams premium like that's the thing right microsoft's going to sit down we got this cool feature do we put it in the standard no we're going to throw it in premium so that's the future of teams all cool stuff is teams premium well, let's move on to our next news item, Tom. I mean, this one uh, we've talked about before, um, but it, you know, things are certainly happening in the avatar world of Microsoft Teams. Tell us more what's happening right now. Yeah, so avatars are now generally available to everybody. Uh, so in the, the, the current Teams client, so not the new client, the current client, because we've got two clients in parallel at the moment. Uh, and so it's interesting to see how people are adopting them. And Microsoft put a blog post out all around etiquette and adoption and how enterprises are going to have to consider, you know, because it, it, it's very, very different for a lot of people using avatars versus video. So is it socially acceptable in your organization? Like, is it encouraged? Is it discouraged? Uh, and I think we're all on a bit of a journey to see where this avatar story lands. And then Microsoft took the opportunity to re-mention their vision of mesh and the 3D world, which has been on the back burner from the Teams team for quite a while, I think. But now with other vendors getting excited about mesh type technology again, it, maybe it comes back up. I, I was just surprised how many avatars I've seen pop up in my meetings within Jabra uh, by itself. It's They're popping up everywhere. And I'm one of those people that is uh, maybe has the unpopular view of avatars. So my eye has been twitching a lot more as I see these little cartoonish people pop up <laughs> in all the boxes. Uh, but it's people are, at the very least, interested in experimenting and playing with it. 
um, which may just be the gateway to wider adoption. So, yeah, I mean, I tried it a lot when it came in some private preview, and for me, it was just so lame that I had to click so many times to get a reaction. Like click, click, click. Ugh. I mean, I'm not that fast, so, so, <laughs> but. But it's going to be nice now to see more people using it. And hopefully Microsoft will do something about them following my movement. I mean, every other social media app can do it. TikTok, Instagram, why can't the stupid mesh people do it? <laughs> the, 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 then the problem is when you're eating your lunch, you'll be like eating and your avatar will be Yeah, but may, maybe it could be like an option because not. Yeah. Turn it on or off like a mute. Yeah. The avatar just gets up and walks off like you are in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly don't want it to kind of follow your hand signals, no. Um, well, you know, is, it, is this a solution for, you know, companies that have got a culture where, you know, most people have cameras turned off? Or is this, a, you know, a solution for, you know, mixing environments? Because it feels like it's a kind of voice-only upgrade, um, but it, there's nothing like the real thing, is there? And, yeah, and that, that, that's, how I that's how I position it. It's better than no video as opposed to an alternative to video. Like, you can't beat video in terms of reading people's reactions and engagement. No. But if you're presenting to a room, um, I've seen a lot of Microsoft people using avatars as well. I'd rather have avatars than initials. So it's a step up from, you know, just the yeah. kind of round initials. It feels like you're talking to nobody. Yeah, I was going to say, my use case, you know, I'm on a lot of calls with the US sometimes. Uh, and it's, you know, seven o'clock UK time. I'm making dinner in the kitchen. So I'll have my uh, laptop with me, but I'll turn my avatar on. Um, yeah. Just so you know, I'm semi there type thing. I, I am listening in. Yeah. I've got my headset walking around the kitchen, and as you say, Tom, it, it's better than just seeing GW uh, or my profile picture. I, I, I wonder. I, I saw Facebook demo some really much more lifelike avatars, and yeah. you've seen obviously a lot of the AI, you know, technology now where you can take video samples and resample it. Is there going to be some kind of cultural line between like avatars are very obviously not video? When the AI gets good enough to like semi dupe us with lips moving, is that an avatar too, or is that a weird not avatar? But but you know, it's not you either. I don't know what, where. We interesting to see where where we culturally draw the line on this as this technology gets better and better. But the Facebook stuff was very you know still obviously animated, but much more a picture of you animated rather than a cartoon avatar. That's where we spill over into the matrix at that point. <laughs> Do we all just give over yeah. to the AI at that point? <laughs> yeah. where, are we, where are we going next? Are avatars just a stepping stone to a, a, another world, a more mixed reality world that uh, we're seeing a lot from uh, the, the hardware vendors right now? At, at, as we record this today, Apple are predicted to be making their big announcement. Where's this heading? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't. I've not heard of anyone thinking that avatars. You know, or the the idea of mesh in in and of itself takes over the collaboration or the elements of video. You know, they don't they don't bridge that gap fully. Um, but where I've heard it be a actual use case of, hey, this is helping, is exactly what we just said. It's it's better than not having you know than just having initials. I've heard a lot of people that are just really really uncomfortable with being on camera for whatever the reasons are and this is better than than no camera right so it's it's it gives it bridges that but i think that ultimately those that are developing the technology i think their goals are to go well beyond what we see the here and now the the cute the cute cartoonish avatar i think eventually they'd like to get to where we can full-on 
in a way that does replace video and feel like video because it's so well replicated by AI, I think that would probably be the ultimate goal one day. Not a reality that I'm looking forward to, but I think that's where it's going. Well, I think so. if it gets there and if it looks like you and then you just plug it into, you know, GPT-4, then you don't have to show up. Then it's like it's smarter than you and probably looks yeah. better than you because you can <laughs> tweak it, right? And it never ages. And then it emails you the meeting summary with what you've got to do next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I think the difference between, you know, the avatars in this immersive spaces, right, this virtual reality. And, um, uh, you know, Tom Brennan and I did this study on AR, VR, and we're just about to put it out. And, you know, the thing is, is when you're in that immersive experience, I think it's still looking for a use case. And in the typical Microsoft fashion, they, they're betting on every number, right? They got avatars and this yeah. and immersive spaces. And, um, but I do think that it's different than video because you're, you're in a shared experience and it's still unclear. Like if we're all sitting in the same room as opposed to, you know, being in like, I'm very clearly in my room and you're each in your rooms. But the VR space, there is something to be said about being in the same virtual room. And it's unclear, you know, how does that improve my business or save me money? But it is a different right. experience even than Josh's, you know, video perfect avatars. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, let's see how it plays out. Let's see what world we're in this time next year. But uh, for now, let's just <laughs> get back to the news. Tom, we said we'd talk about Track and Paul's automatic firmware updates. I mean, what a, what a transition from the... Yeah, yeah what a transition from like the future of technology <laughs> to some very basic fundamental functionality. Um, maybe I can throw you to Graham for this one, actually. This is um, a, an improvement in how Teams admin tend to handles Android firmware updates. And Graham's my go-to for everything Teams room Android. <laughs> So yeah, what Microsoft have done here, they've, they've, they've renamed one thing. One is the, the sort of firmware updates. It used to be called, I think, now, 30 days, 90 days, and they've now changed it to um, where you can now, uh, they call it instant, uh, general, and there's a third one. Um, so there's absolutely no difference in that sure what it does. It's just a naming change for those managing their updates manually. Um, but what it also means is that you can actually view what devices will get updated and you can actually cancel it as well so before you couldn't cancel it it would just take them within seven days it would auto cancel um but now there's a another there's a pane of glass on on the uh, teams rooms on android dashboard now that you can see your software updates and see which ones are queued uh, and which ones will get those updates is that customers just wanting more granular control because there's more of those android devices out there they want to run them in update rings and have more more control over the process Indeed, it's not just rooms. Uh, you know, this is you know, Teams rooms and Android in general, uh, in general, or Teams and Android platforms. So you've got your panels, your phones, displays, uh, and rooms. Um, so they're all using the same mechanism. I think it's first for rooms and phones, if I'm not mistakenly correct. Um, and you, yeah, you've got your validation phase, which would be like your lab systems that you want to break first, uh, and then your general, which is your 30 days, and then final, which is your 90 days, which would be like your exec offices. Um, so it's a little improvement um, to help it better, and then I think ultimately, I think later on this uh, month or you know over the summer, we'll see more improvements in the pro portal as well, um, which is where the the room team have full access to to tweak and and, and manage things. Whereas tech is everyone within within teams fighting for some development space. Well, that's great. Let's talk about cloud video interrupt next, Tom, because we said uh, 
it was something interesting ever happening in, in the kind of Microsoft Teams room space. This is getting a bit of a resurgence. So Cloud Video Interop, for those not familiar, is the ability to gateway between Teams meetings or Teams rooms in meetings and standards-based SIP endpoints. So pre-pandemic, this was a, a, a really big requirement because lots of standards-based rooms out there trying to join Teams meetings. And then uh, a lot of organizations with, with the pandemic and the massive Teams adoption went more aggressively towards we're just going to have Teams rooms. Um, but there's still that requirement to have SIP-based meetings, uh, sorry, SIP-based endpoints join sometimes. So two things are happening. Um, you, soon you'll have the ability to dial out from a Teams room to a SIP standards-based endpoint, so do a dial out to a SIP room. And also much for improving the way you join from a SIP client, you'll be able to click and join and not have to type in loads of awkward coordinates and join. So currently you have a different set of meeting join instructions for a SIP endpoint that will eventually go away and you'll just have one link to click. Uh, so interesting for the likes of um, PECSIP and Poly and our partner in PECSIP, they used to have their own, but now they're using PECSIP. Cisco have a solution there as well. I think BlueJeans have a solution. Um, PECSIP seems to be the front runners at the moment. I'm talking to all of them for a research piece and PECSIP have all those features. Uh, working. I think it's open to all the CVI vendors though, so we'll keep an eye on that space. But the ability to dial out to a SIP endpoint from Teams rooms might mean more people want that functionality now. And just, just to add to that, as we discussed earlier, that requires a license and needs to be on the pro license to, to get the CVI uh, interop uh, piece, but also for MTR on Windows, so not on the Android platform uh, as yet. It's only for Windows MTRs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we see that come to Android. I'm sure we will on some some timeline because it's it, that requirement is regardless of whether you're on MTRA or MTRW to, to have that SIP connectivity, I think. Cool, cool. Right, next up we said we'd talk about uh, Microsoft Build. Uh, we've got some Copilot news. Tell us more. Yeah, Build Build's the developer show for Microsoft, so um, not quite as... as you know, our space is the, the Ignite or Inspire coming up at the partner conference. Uh, but it's always interesting to look at what Microsoft are pushing in the development space. And they did actually announce Copilot for Windows. So they had, you know, obviously it was all very AI driven. That's the thing at the moment. But having Copilot built straight into the operating system is really interesting. Uh, and two things are interesting here. One is you've got Bing going very heavily into Copilot and you've got Copilot in Windows. And then you've got Copilot going into the product stack, so the M365 products, PowerPoint, Word, you know, it's Teams, obviously. Microsoft are going to have to draw some kind of line as to what's free slash included Copilot. Like Bing, they won't charge for because they can make advertising revenue for it. But in Office 365, M365, it, it appears they're going to have some kind of skew or cost to that model. So it's interesting to watch Microsoft navigate this kind of massive hype cycle of AI is the thing and Copilot is the thing, but where is Copilot a, a free to access product and where is Copilot a premium experience you have to pay for? Interesting. And from a development standpoint, are you going to be able to, or are we thinking that Microsoft are going to allow, you know, some kind of development API access to Copilot? Yeah, that was another announcement actually. So they're, they're, they're allowing plugin models. So just like OpenAI has a plugin model, now where you can build plugins that let it access additional data sets. Those same plugin models will be compatible with Bing and with Copilot in Windows and, and eventually Copilot in M365 as well, I believe. So the idea that you can extend Copilot functionality to either to your 
individual service. So say you had a an expense system, you could reach it via the co-pilot interface in, in M365 as an example. Um, but also as organizations, you're going to be able to start feeding your data into Azure AI models to do things with your data in a clever way as well. Either you'll build that into your app or build that into your data set. So yeah, the, the overwhelming theme was AI is here, we're at the forefront of it, Azure is the place to be for AI, which you, you would expect. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that permeates different products and platforms over the next 12 months. Got it. Great stuff. Well, I know uh, the next item we touched on before briefly, but uh, we said we'd talk about virtual front desk on Teams, uh, those certified displays. Tell us more on that one. Yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on that because it's come out relatively quickly. So uh, on the Teams displays, which are dedicated devices for video and collaboration. Uh, the virtual front desk is now available where you can have a reception-like experience. So one button to push and the video comes up for that reception person. Uh, it's, it's the V1 of that is fairly basic. It's direct calling between one person and another, um, but I think we'll see some, some revs there. I can definitely see some use cases in organizations I work with for like out of hours access or from a security standpoint, having a video endpoint rather than the person could sometimes be preferable. Uh, and along with that, we got hot desk sign in for um, Teams displays as well with a QR code, which is much more broadly applicable to customers who use Teams displays where you can walk up with your phone and sign with that device directly from the phone, which is a really nice touch. And what does everyone think about QR codes? I mean, since the pandemic, it feels like QR codes just took the world by storm. Um, in in business, is that what, you know, our users now getting used to using QR codes? Is it you know, widely accepted. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, agree. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we yeah. all had to use them for menus, we worked out how to use them. I think. Yeah. <laughs> if we wanted right. to order our food. We worked it out, no matter how old you were. And I don't think anyone, most even kids, I think, you know, walking around with their phones, get you know, using QR codes. So I think it's it's an easy go to if you're looking for a, a quick, quick, uh, quick way to put something out there. Yeah. Momentum-wise, the the idea that you start seeing some more compelling functionality—I can, you know, check in, I can share content—I think this is going to begin to to build within um, within the, the the ecosystem of of Teams. So I think you know, historically, yeah. QR code in the enterprise may have been you know, grab instructions or fairly basic, but I think we've got kind of a some elevated use cases coming that are that are going to build some some tailwind behind it. Superb. Well. Uh, next up, we said we'd talk about some deadlines that are approaching, Tom. Uh, there's a couple of things here. Where do you want to start? Yeah, two deadlines, both in July, both different dates, because we like to keep everybody on their toes. Um, so the first one is uh, 3PIP third-party IP phones that ran through Skype for Business Online. That gateway is being turned off, so you have to reflash those to standards-based SIP. So if you're using any phones with Teams, that are running in a Skype-like mode, they have to be reflashed to SIP and put on the, the Teams SIP gateway, um, which can be a decent amount of work from a, like just a coordination point of view. And you've got until the 31st of July for that before that gateway gets switched off. So that's one of the deadlines. The other deadline to be aware of, and there's still a lot of devices out there, is on the 1st of July, Microsoft are enforcing Teams rooms no longer working with user accounts. So this was never supported, but always worked. So if you have a Teams room, you could sign it in as a user rather than a dedicated rooms license. Um, as of the 1st of July, those devices will be cut off. So I think Microsoft are keeping track of 
how many devices are there. And most of the big customers have got this comms, but there's a whole middle tier of customers that maybe don't work directly with partners or have anybody sort of super proactively managing the environment um, who are still running on user licenses. There's alerts all over the Teams admin center. They've had emails, they've got alerts on the room, but I still think we'll see a bit of fallout at the start of the month on Twitter when people are like, why isn't my Teams room working? It's fairly prevalent. I, I definitely, regardless of all the efforts, there's going to be some fallout that has to be dealt with. Um, I, I, there was a lot of customer inquiries around that particular announcement. Um, you know, well, this is our use case. This is why we do it. Why can't we do it? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, it's it's still there. So. Yeah, a lot of enterprises overbuy on user licenses, so they've got a class because they do that, and that works into their contracts. So they've got a glass of licenses available, and they always work, so they just use them. But I mean, it, it has always been against the terms and conditions. It's not a, a technical change; it's just an enforcement change. But it will will catch people. I agree. Great stuff. Well, that's uh, it for news. Um, Tom, we said we'd plug a few events because it, it does feel quite busy out there, for certainly for Teams events as well. Um, but we've got a few things coming up that's worth mentioning. Uh, first of all, Teams Fireside Chat, who's who's on this month? Yeah, so uh, this month we've got um, Adam Curry, who's Director of Core and E5 work at Microsoft. So um, he's a, a long-term community member. And also Kevin Peters, who's Director of Teams Spain. So they're two people who are well-known in the MVP community who are now um, in senior roles inside of Microsoft. And we're getting some really good engagement both from the community and Microsoft in terms of those fireside chats. Next month, we've got uh, Arena Andover and Sam Bedker, who are the product managers for Premium and the Rooms Pro Portal. So um, yeah, if you've got time for those, they're online. We've literally got a couple of hundred people each time now coming along, firing in good questions. So we're getting some uh, really good engagement there from from Microsoft bringing people, uh, you know, senior people to come and engage with the community, which is great. Fantastic. We'll plug a link to the website so you can uh, register uh, in the description. Um, after that, we've got Commsverse uh, at the UK's uh, leading Microsoft Teams uh, conference. Uh, coming up on the 21st and 22nd of June, Tom, are you heading? Yeah, really, really excited for that. Really big event in the UK. A lot of the US contingent are coming over this time as well. So that'll be quite fun. I think we're down to something like, I think it was 30 or tickets last time I spoke to Mark. So very close to, to sold out now. Some really good sponsors there. Um, Mark and the team do a, a really diligent job of vetting speakers. So it's a, it's a high quality session. So yeah, if you're in the UK, I definitely recommend that one. Yeah, and it feels like it's getting busier and busier every year. Um, now it's been, you know, probably three years in the making, is it? Or yeah, yeah, it was, five, it was over 550 people last time. So it's, um, it's, it's really filling out. I think it's about 30 sponsors this year as well. So um, all the vendors you'd expect to see and catch up with. It's quite a good way for customers to go and shop what's going on with all the Teams ecosystem in one place. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. Uh, and we've got another Microsoft UC user group uh, coming up in London, 6th of July. Yeah, yeah, we've got the London News Group. Uh, we're at uh, Lou Ware's office this time and uh, got some special guests from Microsoft still still pushing out details there. Um, but that'll be our, our usual meetup in London in July. And uh, again, decent decent turnout usually there and uh, we get some beers afterwards and uh, we'll share the gossip of what's going on in the team space. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one more event we've got coming up, which is a Teams event, is uh, Teams Dagen in Sweden. Uh, Amanda, is that right? Tell us more. No, that's I, I was just saying that it's fun that you talk about Comms First because we planned the first Teams Day at the same time as Comms First. We had like the same challenges with uh, with the 
pandemic and everything. So it's it's a Swedish conference. We have lots of great vendors as well, uh, speakers and yeah. So it's going to be amazing. And it's in October and we just released the tickets. So it's it's really fun and yeah. And I'm really sad that I'm missing comms first, but it's during the most important like booze holiday in Sweden, midsummer. So <laughs> I, I, I can't miss that. That's fair enough. Yeah. So I said that to Mark, I'm like, next year, can you please plan it so I can come? And he said, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to plug, we're going to plug some links in the description, but if, if I could change one thing about Commsverse, it would be the date because it conflicts every year for me, and it's it's. I, I've only been once, and I really want to go again and again. But every year it seems to. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? That that June, July, everybody wants a conference. Oh, it's so that, busy. You know, yeah. Season, then it goes dead in summer, and it's all busy again towards the end of the year. But that's the that's the conference circuit for you. That's the nature of the beast. Yeah, exactly. And uh, last but not least, and worth a big mention is Infocom. Uh, this year, it's in Orlando, uh, Florida, uh, June tenth to the sixteenth. Um, who's going? Anyone going? Yep. Yeah. Lots of hands going up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big, big event, and uh, if you're in the team space or UC space, absolutely worth a visit if you can get there. Um, and again, we'll just put all these links in the descriptions for you, so it's nice and easy to get. So that's it from us. If you're new to UC Today, subscribe. If you're not, then like or comment or even share this video. It's always appreciated. And if you're a Microsoft Teams fan and want to be part of the conversation, you can connect with Tom, myself, and all our guest speakers on LinkedIn and Twitter, and our social links are in the description. So thanks again to everyone for joining. We'll be back again next month. Thanks, Tom. Cool. Thanks, everybody. I'm Rob Scott from Easy Today. Thanks for watching. <laughs>